0: Is your pathway to pro? Of course, right now. So, without further ado, we'd like to introduce Danielle Johnson.
1: Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. So, talk, tell the individuals out there about yourself, and kind of give a breakdown of where you started, so therefore it can lay a foundation. So, individuals that are out there, they can say, "Hey, I see myself in Danielle Johnson's shoes." And I know now where to go from there.
1: So I am actually a middle school teacher in Dallas, Texas, in a district that is just next door to Dallas ISD. I teach design and technology for sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. And I've been a teacher for 14 years. So I I just survived my first semester of hybrid teaching. It's been great. It's been fun. Yes. Um, I actually had a lot of fun, um, and I am also the executive director for the Texas Scholastic Esports Federation, which is an educator-run nonprofit esports league for Texas schools. So we are the nonprofit alternative to some of the other leagues that exist for high school esports and middle school
0: esports. For sure, that's really awesome. So, what inspired you to start TSEF?
1: Um, so. It's actually a funny story. I was at an education conference in Philadelphia in the summer of 2019 and I didn't go to any esports sessions. I, had, I was speaking and I was helping with some events and the very last day I sit next to somebody and she said she has gone to a bunch of esports sessions. So in my most teacher-like fashion, I ask her, What's, what was your biggest takeaway? And her response is what started me on this journey and what she said was oh that we should have separate leagues for girls and boys so girls don't get harassed yeah and I was like oh that's not how this works (laughs) um and so I just want to like be totally honest with everybody out there I'm not a gamer like I am bad at video games. <laughs> um my brother was a gamer, I was the athlete, and so you know, a one console household, he automatically gets it. He took it. Um <laughs> right. So that in in some discussion about that conversation that I had, um sort of prompted me to want to start just an esports league for the 6 middle schools in my district because my thought was if we can educate these students in middle school, and that's where you can. I am I allowed to swear? Yeah, I don't, no, no. no. Okay, it's middle not school is where doing middle, kids. <laughs> no middle school is where kids are either become assholes or not. Okay, and so to prevent more assholes, okay. um, I was like, let's let's do this and. It got a lot bigger than i anticipated and now it's a statewide organization that in my 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 middle my schools don't still don't have any sports league um but now we have a statewide league that they get to play in which has kind of been my pitch all along is we can start a team all we want but if you don't have anyone to play against You know, you're not really doing much. Exactly. So that along with there was an incident in the summer of 2019 at a Smash Brothers tournament where a 14-year-old girl beat a pro and was like harassed into oblivion um, online. And I was like, this this, this is not a, a world that I would let my son be part of. Understandable. And I was in a position to change it. Exactly. So that's what I did. Um. I applied to it's called the Google Innovator Program, which if you work in education or ed tech, it's kind of like, I don't know, uh, ed tech. It's like a it's like an incubator. Yes. So I spent a week at Design Camp, basically in Singapore, which was awesome, and got this whole just idea fleshed out. Especially from a non gamer standpoint, I needed a lot of input, a lot of help. Which is cool. Yeah, because I, I knew I know sports and I know the high school athletic competition. I used to coach softball and um, I was like, we we have a structure for this. Like we can we can make this big. This can work. And I came home, I stumbled onto an esports edu Twitter chat on Thursday nights where I met my original partner in crime, Greg Kite. Yeah. Who was a teacher in Houston, and we teamed up. And this is all last October. Um, the rest of us, the original like eight of us, we had our first meeting in January of 2020. So we're TechF isn't really even a year old yeah. at this point. And through some encouragement from Star Brown at SCW, which is Southern Computer Warehouse, it's a vendor that schools use. Yes. Uh, we went to. Um, what did we go to? TCEA, which is the Texas Computer Education Association Conference, Perfect. and sort of had like a coming out party, basically. <laughs> like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Is anybody even interested in this? And it turns out there was a lot of interest. Yes. Um, so what we do is we we are not in competition with anybody. Okay. We are We don't do exclusive. Like if you play with us, you can play with anybody else. And we also decided that we were not in uh, competition with any other organizing yes. groups in Texas, and what ended up happening in the first few months is the other groups that were organizing and TexF, we kind of melded together. Yes. So now, like pretty much any educator that was marching in the direction of building a league, we are all working together now. Perfect. So I like to say I gather geniuses.
0: Understandable. So right. I
1: really just organize people <laughs> is what I do, and uh, let them do their thing. That's awesome. So, yeah. That's, okay. that's how I got here.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's, I'm glad you stated it in that way, because I was just going to say, you know, what skill sets allowed you to have the confidence that you can, you know, pull something like this together because it's extremely important for the community outside of being an instructor. What other skill sets and also from a perspective of organizing, what other skill sets have been critical to the development of programs such as TSEF?
1: the number one thing in education is decisions are never made by one person it is always made by committee it does not matter if it is scheduling or student placement everything is made by consensus and collaboration and we're no different we hold open meetings on mondays where anybody that is part of the organization can come listen to what we're planning and what we're organizing give their input ask questions because Everybody sees things differently than I do. Okay. Um, one of the things that one of my mentors in education, her name is Jenny McGuera, and she's now the social impact director for Google education, always says is the smartest person in the room is the room. Yeah, And that is collaboration and listening and asking questions um, and drawing other people into the conversation is probably the number one thing that I like have grown in but also brought into this organization is I love good collaboration. I love getting groups together and everybody just brainstorming until we come up with something awesome. And I've also bit, had a lot of design cycle trading. Okay. And so I feel like that's a good I I'm pretty decent at facilitating it in other people. I mean, I do it with middle schoolers. So exactly. grownups are a little bit harder <laughs> to to organize than teen- than middle schoolers, but you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Understandable. So how have your patience been when trying to have everybody organized and put input and to identify what is the right direction for the purpose of the success of the students? You know, what's something that you had to kind of like say, woo, Musa. This is, it takes a lot of patience. And ultimately, how have you been able to navigate through that?
1: That's a really challenging question. I feel like there's a lot. Yeah. First, I don't let things set me back, and I don't care about what other people are doing. Okay. So there are two real big players in this space, and they have a lot of funding. I don't yeah. really care what they're doing. Yeah. Because I'm an educator, and what's great about educators in general is we are, we're kind of all the same yeah. in a way. So I, when I was in Singapore, I met a teacher who was a tech coordinator from Vietnam, and he was like, oh, I'm trying to get my elementary school teachers to use this thing. And I was like, hey, we're trying to get our elementary school teachers to use yes. this thing too. Sure. So and it turns out like getting middle schoolers engaged in math is hard no matter where you live. Yes. So whether it's in Vietnam or Dallas. So we're kind of the same the world over. Like nothing supersedes the student interest. Yes. And nothing is above student well-being not yeah. shareholders, not you know, money, not funding, nothing supersedes the student. Yes. And so we all came together knowing that this is the foundation we stand on, is That's that we, we kind of came up with our mission statement very collaboratively. Um, and it's that we're a community of educators, and we believe that esports can be an accessible, inclusive, and equitable path for yes. college and career readiness for all Texas students. Yes. Because we are all coming to this from the same perspective of this is a real industry especially in Texas and in Dallas for sure it's sort of the center of the esports universe. Yeah. And we all come to this knowing that students should never have to pay to yeah. participate in school esports that yeah. it should be an inclusive organization that is not overly representative of white and Asian males, that it should include students that are low income or students that have uh, physical disabilities, um, that nobody should be excluded from the program. And our measurement is not wins, it's not funding, it's not money, it's student participation. The more students we have participating, that's our metric.
0: That's awesome. And I I always balance two things because for a for-profit entity, capital is, is, is important, right? When you think about a nonprofit or not for profit, one of the biggest things that you're that you have in your mind is saying, I want to impact the students. Ultimately, from if you're on the outside trying to create an organization, you know that in order to support those students, to allow them, especially in areas that are economically challenged, you have to bring in funding somehow to support them. Could you walk individuals out there along the path of trying to secure opportunities and funding and resources for the students that are in economically challenged areas?
1: So in school finance, there are a lot of crazy things, and one of those is called Title I funding. And that is money that the school and the district get based on the number of students that qualify for free and reduced lunch. So in Texas, about 65% of students all over the state qualify for free and reduced lunch. And we know that that's not homogenous across the state, that it is more concentrated in specific areas. But Title I funding can actually be used to start eSports programs. Yes. So that there's a couple of stipulations for Title I funding. First, it has to be a novel use of funding. So it can't displace funding that you've already gotten. So you can't have program A be funded through a bunch of other different things, get some title one funding and then use that money for program A. That can't happen. Um, And it has to be used for college and career readiness, for technology education, for uh, at risk and low income students. And esports fits all of those. So Getting the equipment, which honestly is like the last thing on the checklist, if you're starting an esports program and you're thinking about equipment, you're starting wrong. Yes. Um, so you you might not even need equipment because honestly, especially with kids playing at home right now, they have a lot of it. They do. Um, and it turns out when you ask other teachers to borrow their consoles, they give them to you. <laughs> so um, I had no problem securing four or five Xboxes or PlayStations. Okay. Um, just asking the other teachers at my school and I'm at a small school yeah. or it's 45 teachers. So I guess it's not that small. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so first don't start thinking about technology yet. Okay. Um, that's the most expensive part. And that's honestly the part that the schools can pay for because yeah. there's money set aside for that, that you really don't know about. Um, the second one is start small. Um, so when I put out the, Notice kind of that I was going to have an esports team at my middle school, which is 750 kids. Yes. I had 120 show up to my virtual interest meeting. That's 120 cool. kids, guys. Yes. That's like more than the football team had. <laughs> um, and it was a much more representative group of the school than, say, the football team. Yes. Um, but I really only have about 12 that are my core group of kids yes so if you're gonna start something like this in a school honestly start with a club a non-competitive game night first then start having them regularly find out what the kids are playing and that's where you start you find out where your kids are what they're playing what they already have because we aim to meet our students where they are my students don't particularly play league of legends which is cool because we can't run league of legends so which is also part of my (laughs) <laughs> exclusivity has no part in education we are student first and restricting what students can play a specific game is not a student first attitude yes um and also when that company what, has a stake in your company
0: in? <sighs> you know what what's so, in your-
1: Um, for the fall season because it was our first season right um, we actually started running tournaments in April so mm-hmm. we we started in January like talking about this um, yeah. COVID moved up our timeline a few months because our kids were at home. Um, So we started running tournaments in April. But our first season was just Rocket League. We were like, let's kind of get this organized, especially because most of the teachers that are sponsoring these clubs at the school or teams at the schools are not gamers. We do crazy things for our kids. Starting an esports team when you don't know any of the games is like hardly (laughs) registers on the crazy scale. I mean... (laughs) I ended up starting a state organization and I had to ask somebody how long a rocket league match because I had no idea. Um, So start small. Um, It doesn't need to go big. Start with a club, get your core group and meet your kids where they are. So equipment should be the last thing on your mind. Um, We as educators are used to beg, borrowing and stealing um, and really working with what exists before we start asking for exactly. anything else, Perfect. and so we just we kind of run it that way. Um, so we are running Rocket League. We are we ran, ran Rocket League. Our playoffs are going to be in January um, this spring. We are having Madden, 2K, and Overwatch. Perfect. Um, but also on January 1st, we are running a Fortnite tournament. So we are having Fortnite on the first okay. for our students because that's a day that kids don't really have anything to do. I mean, if you remember growing up, New Year's Day, like. Your parents are home. Nothing yeah. is open. <laughs> you are stuck at home, maybe with your cousins. Mm-hmm. You know, There's not a whole lot to do. So we decided the first was a great day to run a Fortnite tournament. Perfect. And we're trying a new platform. And I needed some practice before our spring seasons roll along. That's perfect. Um, yeah. So that's going to um, Overwatch, Madden, and 2K will be our winter season. And then after spring break, we're going to have FIFA, and I don't know what else. We were planning on running League of Legends, okay. but um, that's not going to happen. So we're going to find something else. Oh, perfect. And that's one of the great things about being a collaborative Texas organization it is. is we can just ask our, share- our stakeholders. Yes. Like we can ask the other coaches and ask the students, what do you guys want to run? And mm-hmm. that's what we can run. Exactly. because we can pivot as many times as we need to.
0: Exactly. And it's very critical, especially during these times, to understand the value of being able to pivot. Um, And listening to the actual of the community, we call it, you know, having your ears to the street, right? Just really being able to listen and understand what's going on. And that's one of the biggest benefits that we've been able to have as an entity is just really being true to the community and listening to where the community is going and moving along as the community, Um, because authenticity is very critical inside of the space. And so ultimately, from your perspective, how are you seeing the engagement with that of teachers to students in regards to the eSports industry from both a educational perspective and then also a business perspective?
1: The thing that I want for the eSports industry is an educated, empathetic consumer base and employee base yeah so the next generation of consumers the next generation of employees and the next generation of innovators in this space are sitting in classrooms right now
0: yeah
1: and if the industry wants an educated and empathetic customer and employee base they should be investing in schools probably- so growing up um, so if anybody that's you know over the age of about 30 you ask them what Computers they had in their schools, they're going to tell you an Apple II. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the most valuable company in the world? There's a really big correlation <laughs> between investing in schools and your later outcomes. Yeah. So, literally, I just want the esports industry to give me money and leave me alone. So, if you guys <laughs> yeah. are interested, I promise I will help produce better humans <laughs> that will your customers will become your employees and will become your leaders that's so awesome. just give me your money and leave me alone i promise <laughs> you that i am producing exactly what you want because that's literally my job is yeah. to produce or to help create better humans and that's actually our slogan is better humans through gaming yeah. um you might hear my little gamer in the background um <laughs> so he just uh, beat the first boss in hades for the first time um i've been playing that non since thanksgiving but uh so, that's like from a business perspective. Um, these are the, your customers and your employees are sitting in my classroom right now. Yeah. Um, and so I I ask that you, as the esports industry, invest in them by by giving me your money. And yes. I mean, who's more trustworthy than a teacher run nonprofit? Yes. I mean, come on! <laughs> like we are literally like the most trustworthy group of people ever. That's awesome. So, but from an education perspective, especially right now, so. My sixth graders coming in are coming from a couple different elementary schools. We have a real like mobile population, so we have 30% turnover every year. Um, this is how my k- kids have made friends yes. this year is through esports at school yes. because sixth graders can't play sports in school, right, as it is right now, but they could be on the esports team yes. and not knowing each other and having that. Kind of like open. Okay, everybody, come. We're gonna play Rocket League right now. Um, having that that play time, I call it yes. digital recess, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> having that digital <laughs> recess is was has been so important, okay. and just really from gym, like always honoring the honoring play, honoring the value of play, and honoring the value of community. Exactly. So this is how I have gotten to know a lot of my students this semester that I wouldn't have really gotten to know because they're virtual and this is how they've gotten really to know each other this is so fun to watch and to like cheer them on and like it gives the rest of the community you know a place to watch i know there are some communities in west texas they had rocket league homecoming where they played rocket league and they projected it on the big jumbotron at the stadium and everybody was there um, because they couldn't play football exactly so this is something that you know is can bring a community together in the same way that watching any competition can. Exactly. But first there's like fewer concussions, right? Um for me, I don't have to be outside in the cold, which is awesome. <laughs> um but unlike football where we have generally like 100 boys, this is an infinite number of, exactly. everybody. of everybody. It can look a lot more like the school than yeah. the football team does. And so, I use football as the example cuz we're in Texas. Yes, but, for sure. <laughs> like dub in hockey or, uh, you know, basketball or whatever, but.
0: So definitely speak on an impact story that you have had with any individual or part of your program that's made you sit back and be like, wow, this has just blown me away. Your perspective or your experience within this industry and this program in which we've created from a student's perspective, explain that. Talk, talk to the individuals out there about what you've experienced from, if even just one student that you said, wow, this is why I get up in the morning and do this.
1: Man, there's so many, but there's also not very many. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I'm a total noob in this space. There's a lot of people that have had esports teams for a couple of years now. And by like if there's any ogs like danny you're like the only <laughs> og in scholastic sports that exists and i say that all the time if you ever listen to me interviewed yeah. anywhere else i'm like well there's only like one og <laughs> um and so there are some great stories um i know patrick neff who is yes. our like league commission person um he tells a story about one of his students all the time who God, I want to say it's League of Legends. Okay. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with League of Legends. That's it cool. might be Overwatch, but we're gonna pretend it's League of Legends. Okay. But the student was really good at the game, um, but was not a very good team player. Okay. Um, a little bit cocky, like standoffish, um and got in and kind of got his butt kind of kicked because yes. you know, the teamwork aspect is vital. Super um vital. and After a while, just kind of figured out that being a team player worked better, you know, Um, and through two full school years of this um, ended up becoming, you know, the captain of their esports team, um, improved grades stuff yes. like that. There's still so that connection to school. And Patrick always uses that as his like flagship. Yes. I'm in middle school. So my sixth graders, there's not really like this whole like, oh my gosh, they were, they were, you know, on the verge of dropping out, blah, you know, that yeah, kind of thing. Sixth so. graders are real malleable. Yes. Um, they're still kids that love eating lunch with me, you know? Yes. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's still a reward, not a punishment at this point. Um, so, but like, like I said earlier, my student, <laughs> um, so my students this is how they've made friends yeah and to me right now when they're so spread out the fact that they have friends and have play time with each other even if they're distant is everything to me yeah. so i worked chromebook is or the chromebooks now support minecraft yeah. which is phenomenal and it took me all semester to work with it to make sure that the kids could have it yeah. and so the week before winter break started Chromebook was on all of the students' Mi- – or, or Minecraft was Mine. on all of our students' Chromebooks. And that I mean, I think the other teachers were a little frustrated because the kids only wanted to do Minecraft <laughs> all day. But like it was so important to me that they yes. have that before winter break so they could still play together. Exactly. And have just that, that connection between the kids. So keeping kids connected to school and to each other is everything right now. And this yeah. is just one of the many ways, one of the many tools that we have to do that. I mean, athletics has always been the number one stand school program in Texas, yeah. but right now it can't be. Exactly. You know, it's just logistically and safety-wise, it can't be. For so sure. having esports where the kids are playing from home, you yeah. know, they are distant. The parents don't have to take them anywhere. You know, they it's it's just keeping them connected. Yes. That's really sure. it
0: that's That's my success
1: story is they're connected (laughs) and they have friends they can call when they're new students in sixth grade and are virtual um they have friends which is amazing
0: that's perfect so i'm gonna get a little real here so currently right now we're in a geographic location that is at a disadvantage when it comes down to economics and currently right now being in the southern sector of dallas we experience it at a heightened degree you know when starting a program like yourself, you're doing it to support the students. And I know coming up in this environment that a lot of students can get derailed and it can go to um, aggression. It can go to, you know, just, just overall, how would I be able to say it? It's just the overall, they can have patterns that does not support success and I don't want to just kind of like hone down on it, but you get what I'm saying from yeah. my perspective. Toxicity is huge, right? How does a program like TSEF and engaging with individuals that are prone to toxicity, how does it take that toxicity down and help produce you know, sustainable citizens in this in the environment? You know because it's a huge thing for someone who wants to create a program for individuals that have a propensity of aggression and just issues when it comes down to um you know coming together and engaging without it being like coming together and, and i'm trying to say this in a faster route because I'm, i um I'm, i experienced how do we prevent way. assholes yes <laughs>
1: That's really the bottom line, is how do we create better humans?
0: How do you create better humans, you know? And explain that from your perspective, because I really want to hone in on toxicity so we can discuss, like, in a third degree, how critical is sustaining that of a good community and a good environment is for this industry.
1: So that was a lot of why I'm here, is... The toxicity, especially against females and against gamers of color. Excuse me. No COVID allergies. I promise. <laughs> um, so, our our slogan, like our motto, is "Better humans through gaming." Yeah. And the best way to prevent, like, it started off as like, let's like end terrorism through gaming. Um, I don't know if anybody else knows this. The FBI actually has an entire gaming curriculum called "Don't Be a Puppet," yes. about there's literally a playbook like it is it like written a playbook that white supremacist organizations and um, terrorist organizations use to recruit and they do it through the community they isolate individuals, they pull them off to the side, they get them in echo chambers you know and that YouTube algorithm doesn't help um, but the n- way to combat that is. The same way we combat viruses is inoculation. Mm. You introduce them to it in a safe environment and you say, hey, this is what this looks like in real life. Yeah. What do you do in this situation? Exactly. And training the upstanders, you know, you call, you deflect attention from, you know, whatever's going on, you call them out, Um, you, you tell them, hey, you by name, this is what you're doing, it's not okay. Um, but also being able to like spot some trends. So yeah. in our platform that we are working to build with some some people, um, you know, there's gonna be like sportsmanship scores. Yes. So after a game, if they're, you know, rage quit in the middle of a game, like you give them a low sportsmanship score and we can just see those patterns, ah, pardon. No problem. Getting out Christmas decorations just stirs up a lot of <laughs> dust, it's okay. Know. Um. Uh, so we can see those patterns, but also just like sports, just like football, that is a group that is, has a propensity towards aggression. I mean, they're literally practicing to hit each other and that it's the same thing. Like you teach them to recognize when it's happening and to harness it and redirect it. And I mean, we dealt with this a little bit in my own household. My, my son, um, got upset at a game and knocked his monitor, which fell over and broke. Yeah. and so we had some and he's eight. I mean, um, so we had you know some grounding, yeah, for sure. Um, but also some real conversations about why he was so angry at this game, what we can do when you're angry, but also the YouTubers he was watching. For so sure. uh we figured out because they all kind of sound the same, like they all have their YouTube voice, yes, um, and their clip voice. And, you know, the clips of their three-hour stream that's down to 10 minutes, they only have the most, like, the most, like ah! parts. <laughs> that's the only word for it. Is ah! <laughs> um, with, like, oh, my gosh, my life is so unfair. I hate this stuff. I hate my <laughs> life. Like, and those were things that he was repeating. Yeah. Um, and so we had some real conversations about, like, oh this YouTuber and this YouTuber are not the same person. Exactly. Like, we're not watching this guy anymore. These are the things he's saying. If you hear these kind of phrases from any other YouTuber, we're not going to watch those. Um,
0: and these once he's...
1: Right. Once he recognized the patterns of a couple of YouTubers he was watching, um, and those phrase, those similar phrases would pop up from from each of them, we yeah. were able to recognize like where that influence was coming from. Perfect. So... Even in this, like, as a as a teacher, I have those same experiences with my students, where I see things and I can be like, "Let's let's take a look at your YouTube history, real quick. Let's talk about this." Um, and I can see those patterns. A lot of times, um, teachers will see patterns before parents, yeah, um, especially when we when it's over multiple students. We're seeing similar patterns like we can address those exactly. and just like if we were seeing harassment or um, bullying on a playground we we have we have tools that we are trained to use um, yes. we also have resources um that our counselors have and our community has we have access to those so seeing it in my own son and kind of like living this out in my own household gave me a real good perspective on like yes. yikes this this could be really bad and i mean I'm, like, living this trying to prevent these kind of things. And they still happen in my own house, you know? Yes, for sure. Um, So, I mean, I know they're happening to other people, too. So, that's – it's just we have the tools and the resources. We just have to pay attention and, like, play the games with your kids, you know? So, my – like I said, I'm not really a gamer. um, But my son's dad definitely is. Yes. And so, they have a Discord server set up. And his dad is the mod. Yes. Um, so, yes, my eight-year-old uses Discord. Sorry, yes. Discord. Um, so do his friends. Sorry. Yes. Um, Discord EDU would be phenomenal if you're listening. Like, I have so many ideas for this. Like That's awesome. Just hit me up.
0: Hit me um, up.
1: Twitch. Like, <laughs> man, if I could get, like, the Twitch chat functions in my Google Meets. Because yeah. the kids live in the chat. Yes. And, you know. Um, but also, just like a, with twitch for example like when we have our streams the kids are in the chat you know and so it gives us a really good opportunity to model for them like what this should look like and sound like and feel like that everybody should feel good afterwards so just being in the space around the kids with the kids not dictating them but letting them letting them lead um is phenomenal so but also like the best thing to prevent isms um, is exposure. Yes. So the more that you are able to interact with people that are not necessarily like you, the more empathetic you become. Exactly. And so that is something else that we're trying to do is connect the communities across the state. Um, Some you know, West Texas communities um, and Dallas communities, you know, the more they connect, yes. the more empathetic both groups are going to be.
0: Yes. And that's how you create a a more unique world, a more sustainable model within the world. So it's pretty cool to be able to see. And then ultimately right now, I want to be able to speak on, you know, Danielle, you said how critical right now is to be engaged with the students. From a parent's perspective, you know, that may look at technology as like, like, it's important, everyone out there to know that if technology is that, kind of push towards it because it can really impact the actual son and daughter and help them drive success in this industry and any other industry because they're learning things that are conducive to success within any other industry. So ultimately right now, from a business perspective, Danielle, talk about your obstacles in developing and getting TSEF engaged and getting it noticed and some of the things that you're like, God dang, You know, talk about
1: those. So this is, we're all volunteers, so this (laughs) is my my second job that doesn't pay. Um, So one of the things that I like to say is that, not our competition, the other players in this space have designers and they have public relations people. We don't. So there are 20 states that have educator run leagues Uh and you would never know it from social media. Because we're not one organization. Yeah, we all talk to each other, by the way. Like we all the leaders of the educator run state orgs, like we all know each other. Yeah, I'll be seeing um, and I'll we talk- be
0: like, you, you, not to stop you, but what, yeah. I see it from a an inspiring perspective. I see everyone in the educator space engaging with each other. And I just sit back and like listen and learn because you know, with esports for us. You know, there wasn't this education model. We had to go straight from the community to try to help individuals turn pro. So I sit back and learn so much from y'all. And I sit back and like, wow, they're so connected inside. So I just had to say that because it's like when I see, you know, James, yourself, and the podcast and everything i should be like, like, this is this internal instructor community. (laughs) And that's the
1: way like the ed tech community is like, we all know each other <laughs> and like teacher, like education sales is person to person. Yeah. So if I recommend a product and am using a product that I generally pay for myself, cause teach, we're teachers, we don't get free stuff. Like we're literally not allowed to.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so if I'm using something and recommending something, people really trust that yeah. because I don't rep something, I don't use myself. Exactly. And literally, like, I don't rep something, I don't already pay for myself. Exactly. Um, so that's one thing. Like, but the educator community is really connected at a certain level. So you are generally either like really connected in your school, in your district, or if you get to broaden your horizons, you get yes. really connected. Yes. And so we all talk to each other. Like, I love that you notice that because... Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, teachers around the world, like nothing supersedes the student. Yeah. And so we all generally have the same mindset, attitude and goals going into things. And so we start from a really great place. We don't have to battle through what are our values? What are our yeah. agreements? What are our norms? Like, what is our goal? Our goal is students. Yeah. Like, that's it. Um. And we, like I said, we have shareholders, not stakeholders. Yes. I mean, we yeah, I got that backwards. We have uh, – stakeholders shareholders yeah (laughs) Yeah, so i mean like money isn't really our concern yeah we need it for sure we we're operating like on a negative budget right yeah um but the the educator communities we're super we're super involved with each other but yeah that's one of the biggest hurdles is the name recognition and i would say in texas like I've been referred to myself, like people are like, "Oh, you're interested in esports? Have you heard about this organization?" And yeah. I'm like, "You clearly didn't look at the about page, did you?" <laughs> um, but cool, I'm really glad you're you're like telling people about it. Yes. Um, sure. and it's a it's an easy bus to get on because yeah. we're all going the same direction.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: So, and we everybody's there already. We're like we are a community. We yeah. are not like there's not a person in charge. The buck stops with me, but like. That means the blame stops with me, not like the decisions stop with me because that doesn't happen. But that's our biggest obstacle is we don't have the resources um, that a for-profit company might have because a lot of their revenue is, revenue comes from getting their name out there and we don't have revenue. (laughs) So, and that's not our goal. So that's one of the biggest things is just having people know who we are Um, but that's becoming a really, it's becoming easier because I feel that there are people that are in the esports industry that are recognizing these educator run leagues as valuable. Um, they're saying that, Oh, one size fits all doesn't work for everybody. And like, maybe we should go state by state. So just in Texas, there's more than a thousand school districts, like a non-Texas organization like dealing with a thousand school districts is yes, a lot. Is. And within Texas, we have some of these structures already in place. And if you don't know about them, then it's going to be a really hard world to break into. Exactly. So like I've said before, education technology and the technology industry are two separate industries. Um, there are no successful ed tech companies that don't have teachers on their staff. Yes. So they were true. either created or founded by teachers or got real smart, real fast and hired teachers. Yes, and, sure.
0: Because <laughs> we, we're cool. the only
1: people that can tell <laughs> you gonna, the perspective of what a teacher is actually going to use. Exactly. Oh, no, this is too many clicks to get from here to here. I'm not using yeah. it because in class I have 45 seconds exactly to transition from this activity to this activity. And if I can't pull it up in 45 seconds, like not going to use it.
0: Exactly. And it's good to be able to hear because, you know, that's one of the biggest, like creating the ed tech platform, you know, from our perspective, I've been seeing the engagement, you know, of yourself Danielle, and so many other individuals. So I've, I've really had a sense of like, okay, it has to be right, you know, before even pushing it through and utilizing individuals like yourself to say, is this right? You know, did we, you know, did we hit the milestone that's critical to providing opportunities to the actual individuals, you know, out there from a student perspective? And I I literally sit back and I just be like, these are the individuals. And now we're in a position to where we have the resources and we're in meetings right now. Like we need to bring on instructors. We need to bring on teachers um, to engage with the actual students that are out there because you're right, there is a lot of high schools, middle schools, ISDs in the Texas area and also nationally. So ultimately, if we want to impact a lot of students, we have to make sure that we're hand-in-hand hand with that of instructors that are currently in the, the ISD and public school systems. So, you know, as One we've told,
1: Oh, there's something I tell every company that wants to break into the education space, and it's crossing into education, it's a moral contract. Yes. There's a moral turpitude clause, whether it's written or not. We cannot have scandal. Yes. When was the last scandal you heard of with <laughs> Pearson? Yeah. You don't. You don't. Because they are low key. Yes. Like there's a moral contract that you that you sign off on when you decide that you want to work with schools and if you're investors, people that play for you, people yes. that work for you, they're all on a moral contract.
0: Exactly. And
1: we will cut you off in a yes. heartbeat and never look back if you do something that is not in the best interest of our students, exactly. even if it is not beneficial for us. Yes. So there is no higher standard than what is beneficial for our students and what includes the most students. Yeah. And if you are going to have someone that reps you, that's maybe a little Keemstar-ish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that <laughs> we've been round and round with E. fuse on this and oh. we're, we're, we're in the clear now we're in the clear guys um but uh like having people that are associated with your org that may not
0: have shine the, the best back. light
1: yeah like we are girl scouts through yes. and through like exactly. you have to be all of the time yeah so moral contract guys
0: moral contract <laughs> and i think that's one of the things that we see here like coming into the educational space was a a need that we see but we're measuring it based off of our values within the esports space like when you're building these communities you're you're hypersensitive to not acting accordingly to that of the community because the community speaks right and it can be an instant instance where you're like blacklisted from the community so it's like you have to make sure that you always have the community at heart in your mind and it's made a transition easier in the educational space because now it's more like from the esports community, it's now students. And I look at that personally, like that of the esports in the esports space. And so when I think about it, it's like, okay, all right. So you gotta be conscious to this, you know, and make sure that you're engaging with this person and this entity um, because it's so connected. And so I'm appreciative of everything that you're doing, Daniel. That's when I told the staff, I was like, man, we really have to allow her to have a platform because it's important in this space to speak your mind, to really get your point out there, even if it ruffles feathers. Like it's a, like, I'm nervous just talking to you because I know like you speak your mind, you know? Yeah.
1: And, it's cool and that's too. one of the things, like I'm a middle-class, like, well-educated white woman, I have enough privilege <laughs> that I can throw it around and speak my mind and it doesn't cost me anything. Yeah. Um, something else with the esports world and like moving into education is we also value who's on your team. Yeah. Um, I like to say, I have two phrases, like I don't trust any group that doesn't have black women. Yeah. Um, so if you don't have black women on your team, you yeah. might want to start looking around. And if you can't ha- find someone, that's your, that's your social group problem. And that's yes. a you problem. So if the best and the brightest people, you know, are all look like each other. Your group is too small.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, and the second thing is I stay far away from anything that looks like a family reunion. Yes. So, um, yeah, we, we value your, what you value, like what your values are, like where your budget goes as a vendor, like you budget your values and if you're you staff, your values. And so if your staff is not diverse, um, if you are having people that rep you that are a little bit questionable, Um, like we're out because one of the things I've learned is collectively, we as a group of educators have some power, which is insane for us because we're always used to being the stepped on underdog. Like the world runs on unpaid teacher time, um, which by the way, esports too, you can, you can absolutely run on unpaid teacher time. We will give you all the advice you want for free, (laughs) pretty much like you call me, I will give you a rundown and utilize your product like for free. Yes. Because I know it's in the best interest of my students. Perfect. For everybody to have higher standards. Exactly. Even if I'm giving you my time for free and my expertise for free, it's in the best interest of my students because if everybody raises the standard, it is beneficial for everyone. It's a little prisoner's dilemma type situation, but I get to manipulate the prisoner's dilemma.
0: (laughs) That's great. So we're running short on time. Give us something that you can provide that you may not have been able to say on the podcast so far. You know, just leave us with something and leave it from a perspective of both the instructor and also the parent that's out there in the space right now That's maybe have some type of, um, you know, aversion to trying to tap into the space. Leave them with something there. Uh,
1: you don't have to know anything about esports to have a team at your school. Yeah. You can absolutely do it if you know how to get students to the same point at the same time, which is something that we are experts at, um, you can run an eSports team, and I am 100% living proof of this. Um, So don't be afraid to do it. We've done crazier things for our students than start these type of programs. And if you need help with it, you need to talk to your principal, you need to talk to your district, we have all of that. Um, And you you can like, we'll adopt you. And you can have your, you know, your, your mentor guide you through all of it. Um, But for parents, like being a gamer mom is being, is the next soccer mom. You know, I love seeing my son play. I love playing certain games with him. Minecraft gives me a headache, but um, (laughs) so, and I'm I'm not really competitive, so it's hard to play like real (laughs) competitive games with him, but I love playing with him. And I mean, you get to cheer your kid on in the same way as, you know, a soccer mom or a football mom, but you don't have to be cold, which is also what I really like. I don't have to sit outside. Um, So get into it. Being a gamer parent is not like – There's no stigma to it to have your kid be a gamer and to say, oh, yeah, my kid plays games. um, (laughs) where They're competitive in gaming. Um, They have a much higher shot of having a job in the esports industry than they ever will of having one in the pro sports industry, like 100% from a virtual stage manager like we were just talking about for podcasts and streams to tournament organizing, uh, the production side, the journalism side, um, all the technology and the cybersecurity that goes into it, like yeah. All of that is there. And for every one pro gamer in eSports, there's 40 jobs.
0: Yes. And
1: that is something that I don't I think that schools are really starting to recognize is that there is an industry that needs people. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so we are transitioning to slowly help provide those innovators and employees for the industry. That's awesome. um, but there is no stigma in having your child be a gamer. Um, you don't even have to understand the games. It's literally that meme where you're like, are you winning, son? Yes. <laughs> um, all you have to do is stand there and like watch <laughs> and feign interest, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and they'll tell you everything about it. Yes. Like, and the kids want to teach you. And same thing for teachers. The kids will teach you everything. All you have to do is like let go and say, OK, we're all in this together. Yes. Like, My students know that I don't know everything. And they are 100% allowed to question me, recommend ideas, um, like ask questions, um, or come up with something better, and just kind of like letting go of that control.
0: Yes, man, this is so valuable right now, Thank and you. you know, like it's 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 mind blowing because you know we experience this every single day when it comes down to parents. I've actually seen from events being inside of here where the parents are kind of look to see their students or sons or daughters on the stage and then the parents that get together to support the actual, you know, son and daughters on the stage. And it's like so amazing to see, you know, parents cheering on, you know, their sons or daughters and it builds a community on top of a community, you know, and it's just amazing to be able to see. So, Danielle, I'm I'm really appreciative of you being on this podcast and just sharing your insight from both the, you know, the instructor perspective and the business perspective, because I have to battle, in all honesty, because I'm like, as a for-profit entity, I have to provide jobs to showcase that there are jobs in this industry. So we have to, you know, find ways to make revenue to support the individuals and say that there are jobs available. And, but at the same sense, you know, when it comes down to engaging with schools and entities, there are not a lot of resources. So it's like battling both of them. And ultimately, for us, we're looking like, okay, How can we, you know, I won't say Rob Peters to support Tom, but it has has an element to where it's like we have to make revenue to give back to communities like that that don't have the amount of resources and try to balance it so therefore everyone can then compete on the same level playing field and then be able to showcase who's putting in the most effort, who's the best, and that's a better uh, metric when it comes down to giving everybody equal opportunity. Right, and, and that, makes that
1: fund, yeah, that resource thing is actually like a, a major myth in schools. We have the money; it is just incredibly difficult to tap into because of that moral contract. Yeah, because we, you have to go through a whole vetting process. There has to be three bids like that are exactly the same from three different companies, and you have to show that you have the most value. And the money is there. It's just it is locked behind so many doors doors. that you have to go through. And that's where having an educator on your team is really valuable because, like, whether they have experience in athletics or computer science or the math department or the English department, like, unlocking the education door of mysteries, basically, is something that only an educator can really do.
0: That's perfect. (laughs) I love it. I will definitely be speaking to you ongoing. I am going to oh, yeah. ask questions. I'm going to be engaged because there's some critical things that we're experiencing here at eSposure, and we need that insight as we're growing. We're moving incredibly fast right now. And conversations like this really affects the students in the most positive way possible. So I'm really appreciative of you being able to spend your time and give your insight. Thank you so much. Well, Daniel.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: Yes, ma'am. And we're going to be pulling uh, the next video. It's just going to speak on toxicity in the industry. And it kind of gives some insights in regards to experiences that, you know, myself, Danielle, organizations, that have they have to think about these elements. So, therefore, the students can have the most successful track record within this space. Because toxicity is critical. And if you understand it, if you can beat it, you can have a long, successful Journey within this industry, and so we're going to tune in right now. Thank you so much, Daniel.
1: Thank you.
0: We, our we are in this. Is your pathway to pro?